Shalom. Welcome to another episode of Inspiration from Zion. I'm Jonathan Feldstein, and I have the privilege of being your host, coming to you from the Judean mountains here in Israel. I like to refer to it as the original Bible Belt. Inspiration from Zion is a program of the Genesis 123 Foundation, whose mission is to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. I pray that you will find this, all of those. Through this program, we're excited to connect you to people and stories in and relating to Israel to give you a window to look through, experiencing aspects of life here that you might not otherwise know about. We want this to be interactive, so please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com or send along any questions and any comments about any topic, anytime. Or you can reach us at genesis123.co or follow and like Inspiration from Zion on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay tuned until the end, where we're also going to share some exciting offers. And please feel free to share this with others who you know who will also find it of interest. So today is a conversation that I'm I'm so excited to have. Uh, I'm going to introduce our guest in just a moment, but it's historic because we're talking the week of a major event in the history of modern Israel, but we can't ever take away, we can't ever extract the history of modern Israel without overlaying the significance of the history of biblical Israel and the promises and prophecies that go back thousands of years. And so today we're going to, I don't, I don't even want to get into the topic yet. I'm going to ask everyone just to sit and be patient and listen because I want to try and weave this in a way that we kind of like a funnel get down to what's significant about this week in in the secular calendar, but also in the fulfillment of God's plan. With us today, I'm terribly excited to have uh, somebody who I consider a friend and colleague and who I look up to because she's been she's been doing this building bridges with uh, between Jews and Christians and advocacy for Christian uh, for for Israel for for really some some time and and is a great great respected leader for more than two this is uh I'm really pleased to introduce Arlene Bridges Samuels for more than two decades Arlene's career has centered on Israel related projects a wide variety of them she's written for Israel always has meet has been media liaison with Front Page Jerusalem Radio. She was on staff for almost a decade at APAC and at the International Christian Embassy. Her work and passion have brought her to Israel 25 times since 1990. And during the second Lebanon War in 2006, she helped organize and lead a Stand with Israel tour, which was so important then. I was living here and we needed all that solidarity. Um, she's also attended the Israel government press office Christian media summit three times. That's really quite distinguished as well. With APAC, Arlene was the Southeast Regional Christian Outreach Director, as I said, for nearly a decade, from 2007 until 2016, when she retired. In that position, she recruited and staffed nine American Israel Education Foundation trips to Israel for national and regional Christian leaders and pastors. Speaking frequently in churches and venues throughout the Southeast and nationally, she built an eight-state network for APAC in the Southeast, mentoring Christians as bipartisan key contacts with U.S. Congress to strengthen the U.S.-Israel relationship. 
Now, Arlene says she's retired, but if you look at what she's been doing since then, it's hard to find a full-time working person doing as much as she does now. In addition to continuing her writing and advocacy for Israel, Arlene is also connected to many other things that support projects in the broader Jewish community. Too many to list, but I want to highlight one. Specifically, Arlene and her husband, Paul, and they married 46 years. That's a not an, it's an achievement and it's a blessing, uh, indeed. They uh, serve on the board of what's called Violins of Hope in South Carolina since its founding in 2019. This year, about six months ago, they completed a four-week music and education tour throughout South Carolina, presenting Violins of Hope in concerts, museums, universities, and a number of educational institutions. They reached more than 10,000 people with the never again message, telling stories of music, tragedy, and courage about the Holocaust using restored violins from the Holocaust era as their instrument. Arlene's broad expertise includes biblical and modern topics about Israel, the Iranian nuclear threat, Israel as the innovation nation, Israel's quest for peace, Arab-Palestinian history, and Christian activism in politics. She's written for Charisma Magazine, Mercy Ships, Providence Magazine, The Christian Post, and Violins of Hope, South Carolina. She's also a weekly columnist at the CBN Israel Christian Broadcast Network and a guest columnist as well, as I am, for All Israel News, based here in Israel, and the Jerusalem Connection Report. Voices at the Christian Post, co-editor of the Auschwitz album Revisited and author at the Times of Israel blogs. Basically, if you go to an English source about Israel, you're likely to find Arlene somewhere. Arlene and her husband, Paul, have two adult children and live in the Atlanta area. And we've overlapped in our career and general passion for building bridges between Jews and Christians many times. And with Atlanta being a third home for me, where I spent several years, including college, I have an extra affinity for her work because it was in Atlanta in the late 1980s when a man named Bill Cherry, I always have to mention his name. I have to find this man. He does not know what an angel he was in my life. He picked me up at my apartment on Buford Highway to take me to my first ever pro-Israel Christian event in Cleveland, Tennessee, and it was the first time I was ever in a church, and that's where God called me to be a bridge between Jews and Christians. Arlene, there's much, much more I could talk about about you, but I'd rather stop talking about you and talk with you. Um, If there's anyone ever more amply named as a woman who builds bridges, with bridges being your maiden name, it's you, and I'm delighted to have you join me. Welcome to Inspiration from Zion. Jonathan, thank you. I mean, no one could could want a more wonderful introduction. So thank you very much. And um, I'm glad to learn a bit more, you know, that you were in Atlanta for a while. And um, I am a South Carolinian um, and hope someday to move back there. But Atlanta has been a great uh, opportunity for me, especially because of APAC, the American Israel Public Affairs Committee. Yeah, Atlanta's a great place. Yes, it was a just a phenomenal experience for me, uh, for them to hire me in a mostly Jewish organization, as you know. And so they were just beginning their outreach to the Christian community. So it was quite a privilege for me to step into that role. 
Right. That's what I wanted to call uh, to highlight in terms of your position. Now, such things are very common, but in many ways, you you broke the ice and laid a foundation. And so it's really and it's through your career there at APAC that you you set the pace for what ultimately continues to be a really significant Christian outreach, not just in the Southeast, but nationally. And I know we have a lot of mutual friends from yes. uh, from overlapping there as well. Before Arlene, before we start talking into, well, you know, I, I want to use this sort of as a, um, what's it, a, a cliffhanger. I want people to listen and figure out, maybe some people already listening know why this week that we're speaking is significant historically, at least on the on the secular calendar. But before we do, I like to kind of take a funnel approach and talk about you and your background uh, personally. I, I, I'm curious in terms like specifically, it's not just a career for you. It hasn't been just a job. It's your vocation, but it's your avocation. It's your passion. It's your calling. And so I'm curious, can you rewind us to where and when in your life that you connected as a Christian with the significance of Israel? Jonathan, it's it's sort of an interesting kind of story. I, I grew up in Florence, South Carolina. I didn't know anyone Jewish in, uh, in right. Florence. There were just a handful of Jewish people, as I, as I recall. But it really came to fruition uh, when I married into the tribe. I married my Jewish husband. And together... We developed a, a real interest in Israel, and um, so it—that's sort of where it really took off. Sure. And of course, we had other opportunities to serve in other ways, but Israel became so very important to both of us. For Paul, because he's Jewish; for me, as a Christian, because everything that I hold dear, it was given to me by the Jewish people. And I'm, of course, referring to scripture, the right. Old and the New Testaments. Right. So, and of course, for us as Christians, we believe the Messiah has come and that he was born into the Jewish community. So all of those beliefs that we hold as Christians originated with the ancient Jewish people. So for me and for many, many uh, Christians, our involvement in Israel is not necessarily so we can get blessed, even though that scripture is often used, those who bless Israel, you know, will be blessed. But to me, it's more, much more than that. It's not so much about the blessing, which I love blessings, and I believe <laughs> the verse, <laughs> right. but it's for me, it is more about gratitude. It is more mm. about appreciation. What can I do now? or in the past 20, 22 years of my life, I've had many careers uh, before my pro-Israel involvement. Right. But to me, it is more a matter of how can I express my gratitude to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, for planting his words in the scripture. So that's, I don't often uh, use the term um, those who bless Israel will be blessed because it's it's a, another outlook that that I have that I really value more deeply. Well, it the the, the verse is significant because God says it, and it's part of that yes. promise and the covenant, and it and it connects us 
as Jews and Christians, yes. but it, but and it's good that you that you said it. You're not doing it to be blessed. If God said in Genesis twelve three, "Bless Israel, I am the Lord your God," which is a formula that He uses so many uh, places in the Bible, then that would be good enough. But but albeit that that's not the motivation, what God is distinguishing as he calls Abraham to be to be the father of this of of my nation of uh, and the and the Jewish people is that he's setting us aside not just as a unique people but that he's expecting everyone else to be part of it and not because he can't do it on his own he's right. just right he can do anything he's just giving us an yes. opportunity to partner with him yes. and 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 the blessings that God bestows on us being married for 46 years. Uh, we were talking before we started recording children who can help with technology things, little <laughs> yeah. things and our health and all, all the things that are kind of passive that we take for granted on a day to day basis. God blesses us in so many ways, but there's a, there's a formula and whether we're looking for it or not, God is honoring it. And that's what's incredible to me or one of the many things. What, what I took away from you, what you were saying, is that marrying into the tribe, so to speak, um, is where you your your eyes and the connection open. Was there one particular? Was it a trickle of ah ah, like connecting the dots, or was there one event, one particular thing that occurred where where, as they say in Hebrew, the asimon, the penny fell, and you said ah, that's it. We ha- I, I have to be doing this more. Jonathan, I wish I could say there was one moment of revelation, you know, that was sort of maybe a a dramatic moment, but it was more of a, what you call a triple. It's something that uh, grew and then developed, you know, we, uh, we were with an organization called Mercy Ships. We, when we were there, we had a um, prayer for Israel every single week. I mean, there are, as you know, many, many Christians are, are very dedicated and honoring to Israel, but it just grew into uh, the last 22 years, uh, where first I started as a volunteer with Earl Cox, but there's always, and um, maybe I shouldn't get political here, but it's not really, but um, (laughs) Bibi Netanyahu appointed Earl as a goodwill Christian ambassador, but anyway, I had the fun and joy of volunteering with Earl for a couple of years. And, you know, we took 40 Christians and one Jewish guy to the Lebanon war. We went to stand with our friends, uh, went up to some, went up to the, to the um, battle lines in Northern Israel. Uh, Others stayed behind at the hotel, the hotel. I think I'm pronouncing it correctly. (laughs) We we appreciate uh, the Southern. (laughs) So anyway, um, so and then just honestly, I have to give credit uh, to to God for opening up, just giving me favor that APAC would hire me. Yeah. And Jonathan, I have to tell you something very amusing. One of my bosses, all, all my bosses were, you know, I just they're great people. But when they were interviewing me, one of my bosses said, asked his uh, assistant, he said, do you think Arlene is too Southern? And, <laughs> and his assistant just laughed and said, 
well, you want her to cover the southern states, don't you? <laughs> so it was really funny because I think it, I was maybe a bit of an anomaly uh, in APAC because I, I am a southerner. Right. Uh, I love being a southerner. I certainly am grateful to, to be a believer as well, and certainly grateful that God has led me into these commonalities with the Jewish and Christian community. It's, sure. it's just um, it's just absolutely essential that every Christian who loves their Bible, um, the the old older and the newer testaments, needs to really consider the origins of, of our faith. Right. Right. 100%. You know, it's funny, a couple of times, you said it specifically a few times, and you're interweaving the, the theme, which I have to highlight, you've spoken about your gratitude, um, gratitude for being for doing what you've done and, and what you're doing. And it's I, and I have to mention, I, I, we're talking about the secular month of November and what happened next week uh, on the calendar, which is why we're having a conversation. But this week is Thanksgiving, and we don't call it gratitude uh, thanks gratitude, but but it's the day in which Americans get, yeah. celebrate the, the 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 blessings that we have as Americans that uh, nationally and that God has bestowed on us and uh, as a country. And though I live in Israel, I was born in America, spent most of my f- f- first forty years in America, educated there in Atlanta, and uh, very very grateful and proud of of everything about being an American as well. So I, it's, it's, imp- it, it's nice to have you organically speaking of that gratitude in the week that Americans are celebrating it officially and it's an official holiday. Yes. Well, thank you. Yeah. Paul and I will be at the beach. We've been invited to go to the beach by friends. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to have a great Thanksgiving. All right. Well, awesome. That's wonderful. I want to take a, a, a really quick break, but when we come back, when I, I want to get toward the specific event that we're speaking about, but I want to speak just, you, you've alluded to many ways to the biblical history and understanding the Bible. And I want to talk a little bit more before we talk about this historical event, some of the other aspects of the history of modern Israel that, that, that connect biblically. So we'll just take a quick break and come right back. When you think of Jerusalem, you probably think of its historic and biblical sites, Run for Zion is a trip unlike any other. You will join tens of thousands of Israelis interacting with Jerusalem as you never have and never imagined you would. You'll connect with and bless Israelis of all backgrounds. If you've never been to Israel and are dying to come visit or haven't been for a while and can't wait to get back, Run for Zion is the opportunity for you. And now, if you register today, you can join us for as little as $29. Yes, that's for real, just $29. Run for Zion is a pilgrimage and service experience that gets you out of the tour bus, interacting with the people and the land. Check out runforzion.com for details and come run for Zion and bless Israel with every step. Okay, so Arlene, I hope I'm, I hope I'm sufficiently building up the, the interest <laughs> for our listeners uh, about you know, what is it that Jonathan and Arlene are actually going to talk about. But when you, you're, you're, you, we were speaking before because when you write, you're not just writing stuff that you feel or think you know, but you're researching and you're a history buff. Yes. But and 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 you're a, a, a believing Christian and you know your Bible. 
So you, and you've been here, you've been here, you've interacted professionally. I mean, there really aren't that many people that I could point to who are as well-versed. And I guess that's a proper pun to, uh, to use in this case. Um, when you look at the history of modern Israel, and you've been here many times, what are the most significant things that you see that connect the modern history with, with scripture? Oh boy, that's that's quite the <laughs> question. I could go so many different ways. I think the fulfillment of prophecy, really, Jonathan, um, it was, you know, God's promises to the Jewish people in, in thousands of years of, of his written history by Jewish scribes, and then the fulfillment of his promises that Israel was rebirthed as a modern nation. Uh, in 1948. I mean, that's, it, it's just, and plus, here's the other thing. I like to kind of compare what I see there with some of the uh, really terrible propaganda that you hear. You're walking the streets of Jerusalem, and I'm seeing people from all over the world. I'm yeah. seeing um, Asian people. So I'm seeing Ethiopian people. So I'm seeing light-skinned people with blue eyes and 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 black people and it's just it's just such a wonderful tapestry of the jewish community in dispersion and that god has brought them home and is still bringing jewish people home from all over the world so that's something that i often like to mention or write about you know especially toward people who are so prolific in their propaganda that you know your uh your vision or what you're trying to say about israel is so wrong-headed well i want to come back to that but it's uh because there's something that you inspired a thought you just inspired that i want to ask you about that's relevant to atlanta or at least one person that i'm thinking of but it's interesting when you talk about the diversity and the and how Mm -hmm. that's sort of god's fingerprint on that yeah he scattered us but he promised that he was going to bring us back and he did um, today I was with my um, grandchildren. I have three grandchildren for my oldest daughter. And when I look at them, it's fascinating because my daughter is as white as snow and has blue eyes. My son-in-law is half Yemenite and he has dark skin and dark eyes. And their first child, my oldest grandson, who's four, um, has a dark complexion and dark eyes. And he's gorgeous. I mean, I, beautiful. And my next grandson is white as snow, like my daughter with white, <laughs> thin hair and and uh, blue eyes. And my third, who's just six months, is white skin, blue eyes, but dark hair. And you see just in the oh, genetic mix of that yes. alone. Yes, that's um, fascinating. It's, it's so yes. fascinating. Something you said when you're talking about the like underscoring the Bible and the prophecy. I don't know if it's appropriate to mention the the, the name of the pastor that I'm thinking of. I'm sure you're going to know who I'm talking about as soon as I say it, but there's a pretty prominent pastor in Atlanta who's on record not that long ago, a couple of years saying, well, we don't need the old Testament anymore. What do you say to, not as a debate, but what do you say to a Christian who's hearing that? And, and as it, and maybe as it relates to Israel, why, why is that as unfounded as I think it is? It is completely unfounded. And I I certainly will not mention the name of the pastor because that's not how I, conduct myself, but um, many people would know who he is. I think that he has somehow been just 
been, um, I don't know, maybe propagandized. I'm not sure how he got to these opinions, but they're not biblical. And I know that a lot of people in the Christian community, unfortunately, do want to dismiss Israel because of replacement theology. Right. You, you're very familiar with this. Oh, the church is the new Israel. No, the church is not the new Israel. Israel is still Israel. And thankfully, God the Father has, has seen fit to graft yeah. us in. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but I, I find it very troubling uh, because this is a very prominent pastor, but um, hopefully there will come a day when when he will go back to what the real roots are right, biblically, right, um, right. because we need the Ten Commandments. I mean, absolutely, no matter, um, you know, for us in the Christian community, you know, we call it, you know, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But, you know, we revere the Ten Commandments. I mean, these are absolutely essential because they give us boundaries and guardrails. And no right. matter what, they, they never grow old. This right. is what God said. How it, it would be—it's it, unusual and 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 confusing to see it dismissed in that way. That right, and he's he's not unique. There are there are no shortage of people, sadly, like that. And you brought the term replacement theology. Um, what what I always found fascinating is that so many Christian friends, when I'm getting to know them, don't even know the term, don't even know the, right. the theology behind it. And yes, there are Christians who still today actively believe and preach that the church has replaced the Jewish people. Um, but but there are degrees of replacement theology. And I don't know if this person that we're speaking about believes that the church has replaced Israel, but but I think that there are even more who 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 practice a passive version of replacement theology who just don't understand the significance of Israel in in the bible and how in our lifetime we've seen god fulfill so many prophecies that right. are there and um that, that are in the bible that relate to israel and there really aren't that many other things that we can point to in modern time and say yeah this is god's promise on that and this is god's promise on the other and there's no other way to explain it yes you know interestingly jonathan it really goes back centuries as i think you already know, you know, when many, many people of the world became um, believers, um, Constantine sort of made it the state religion, so to right. speak. And then the church fathers from, from centuries ago, um, everything sort of got co-opted from the Jewish people. Like, let, let's just keep them at a distance. We, we've you know, we've got religion now, so to speak. Um, so we, you know, we want to kind of move away from these these Jewish people. And really, um, one of the wonderful things that has occurred, I guess, in the last, uh, let's go back to, um, uh, you know, the hundred or two years, but, you know, more recent than that, that many believers in the Christian community have gotten in touch with their Jewish roots because yes. people like you are, are teaching us the richness of these scriptures from a Jewish context. And unfortunately, so many believers uh, in the modern day and for many years um, have not understood that context 
Correct. And sometimes I call it, and I certainly don't want to insult my my uh, Christian friends because I love them, but sometimes I call it um, the difference between white bread and whole rich whole wheat bread. Let, <laughs> let's eat some more of the of the challah or the rich whole wheat bread and learn more about the foundation of our faith, which is absolutely uh, in Israel, in Jerusalem, right. in Galilee. Uh, right. So, um, yeah. Well, I love your culinary example, but <laughs> I I sometimes go further and I say that Christianity was hijacked from its Jewish roots. And it's only oh, I like and it's, that. Right. And it's only yes. in because because that is actually it was deliberate. It wasn't that someone just had a different taste for white bread as compared to a nice, a, a more rich, tastier bread. But it, it, it's it there was a proactive way. And it's really only not in our lifetime per se, but our lifetime, it certainly happened. But in the last 100, 150, maybe 200 years that we could see that we can see Christians coming back to that, to, to the understanding of it. And that's amazing. And that's for another conversation. Um, let's Jonathan, let, go I, ahead. I yes. To ask you quickly though. Sure. I have your permission in front of those who are watching us. Do I have your permission to plagiarize hijacking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and it's true. And I use that carefully because I don't want, ever to be offensive to yeah. a Christian. And if you just go out there and say, oh, Christianity was hijacked, well, that can be, that's a very brash statement. But in the context that yeah. we're speaking about, right. it, 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 it's important to have a brash statement, I think, because it gets people's backs up and you have to think about it. And, and in the context of this conversation, maybe we'll have a follow-up to it. Um, it, it, it it's appropriate. And it gets people thinking, but more than that, it builds the bridges that underscores. And I, by the way, I think that I'm a better Jew for my relationship with Christians. And, and I, and I would argue and tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth that are inappropriate, you're a better Christian because of your understanding, your, your connections with Jewish people, but also your understanding of the significance of Israel and the Jewish people in your faith. I appreciate that, Jonathan, but for me as a believer, I cannot and do not equate myself as better or worse. Good. Even even because of Israel. I, I don't. I simply okay. don't go there. Okay. Because I give my complete allegiance to the Lord yep. in my, my faith, to to Jesus. And if there's anything good going on in me, it's because of him. So it's, that's a, I don't mind you asking that question at all, but I want to give my loyalty to where it belongs. That's excellent. No, I'm glad. I'm glad. As I was saying it, I started to think, "Mm, maybe not, (laughs) but I'm glad that you articulated it as well as you did. Like you um, wanted to find out how much of a prima donna is she, you know? No, no. I think that you expressed it beautifully. And because <laughs> of your faith, because of what you just said, this, this relationship and what you've done in your, in your career and in your lifetime and what you still do is it's like the domino effect. It it just continues to unfold. So I'm so glad that you said that because for listeners who might have also gotten their back up at what I said 
I'm glad you articulated it the way you did, but it doesn't change, even though I may have mis- misstated your the element of your faith, it doesn't change the significance of your connection to Israel and the Jewish people. I didn't take it as a misstatement. And I was just, I was just joking with you about the, the but question. It's good. Yeah. But it's good. It was very good. Okay. So Arlene, I want to come to this month and, and I'm going to sure. set it up. We're in November. I always, and maybe there are other significant things, but I always look at November as sort of the hyper Zionist month, beginning of the month. We celebrate it. We celebrate the uh, November 2nd um, Balfour Declaration. That's where the where the yes. British, who were then in control of, of the land of Israel, uh, committed that they were going to be establishing a Jewish home here in Israel. And three decades later, uh, three decades later, right, that happened. Um, but the other bookend which was the three decades later in this exact same month was the United Nations voting to establish a Jewish state and terrible shame that it took those 30 years because of how many Jewish lives could have been saved in the, in Europe, in the interim, in the, in the Holocaust. But that's the no, that's the significant date that I want to speak with you about November 29th, 1947. It's 75 years Yes. <laughs> since since that vote. And and I suppose 75 is no more significant than 74 or next year, 76 or in five years from now, 80. But it is a significant milestone. And I'm going to yes. use the best cliffhanger skills that I can and, and, and take another quick break. And then I want to come back and discuss that with you. I want to pause in the conversation for just a moment to invite you to join us in one of the really incredible programs that we do as part of the Genesis 123 Foundation. This year, we have been going out all throughout the Judean mountains to show love to soldiers who are stationed keeping us safe from the threat of terrorism. It doesn't matter if we're in a burning heat wave or temperatures below freezing before the wind chill. They are out there guarding strategic points that have a high risk of terrorism. And thanks to the support of many people like you, we are pleased to bring them homemade hot soup in the cold of winter and cold drinks and sweet watermelon in the heat of summer. Any donation is meaningful and helps us to bless the soldiers. You can join us and donate at genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. That's genesis123.co slash bless a soldier. And when you do, you also have the opportunity to send along your own personal words of thanks and blessings to the soldiers guarding the land and protecting the people. Please join us. Okay, so Arlene. Yes. November 29th, 1947, the UN, which is a much newer body at that time. I think oh, if yes. I remember, if I'm not mistaken, uh, for, there were only about 50, 55 member mm-hmm. states right. of the United yes. Nations. Today, we're close to, to 200. Um, maybe because you have, you're the historical buff, rather than me setting more, setting it up more, what, what, what happened that day? What was so significant on November 29th, 1947? Well, the most significant issue was that they approved the uh, Resolution 181, which is also called the Partition Plan. Um, and it was a fulfillment of scripture. 
And I definitely want to talk about the scriptures because that's such an incredible convergence that happened on that night. It, it's just, it is literally supernatural. And I know people can uh, make this, um, can say this word in a, a different way, but God's imprimatur. Impro in, you know what I'm saying, the imprimatur <laughs> that no one, including me, can pronounce. But he put his stamp onto that night, onto wow. that vote. And that's what I want to talk about. Are you familiar with it? I'm 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 familiar with it because it's it's to me one of the most consequential events in yes. In, in not history. just modern Jewish history, but but Jewish history. Yes. And I, but I want you to talk about it. Yes, but also, well. but also for me on a personal level, my father was a ten-year-old boy living here yes, in Israel at that time, and he experienced it. He felt he was out in the streets dancing yes. with everyone else as the war began. But you talk, you begin to unpack that for us, and maybe I'll uh, sit back and listen for a bit. Sure. Give me just give me an opening. Go. Oh, you what? Yeah, no, go. You you use the great word supernatural. Well, Why? <laughs> Why? Okay. okay. Look, Jonathan, this is one of my absolute favorite happenings. One of the ways that we can know without a doubt that God's promises have been kept all these centuries in the covenants. And here, here is the story. Okay, so the United Nations is having the vote uh, on November 29th, 1947, you know, a year or so before the Jewish state officially became Correct. a Jewish state. So they're voting. Of course, we know that uh, President Truman, you know, signed on 11 minutes after this this vote well, well, well that was that was the no that was that was after israel declared independence six months oh, later. oh thank you yeah. jonathan my mind i'm getting so excited <laughs> i'm losing track dates we'll, we'll talk so, about that in six months <laughs> yes let's talk about that at another time but anyway we we like boomer because of that in 1948 yeah but there was a professor sukenic in Jerusalem, and he had come into knowing that the Dead Sea Scrolls had been found by some Bedouin uh, shepherd boys in right. the Qumran Desert. So he had been given some fragments of the scrolls. And when the boat was going on for the partition plan, his son, and I don't know how old he was, but his son was listening to the radio, of course, for the vote. So he came running into his dad's study, you know, and I'm sure his, his father was completely engrossed in what he was seeing. He was an archaeologist and a professor. This was profound for him to hold the actual yeah. fragments of the Isaiah his son came running in oh my and said abba abba the partition plan we we are going to be a country 
again, in, in the modern world, Jonathan, it happened at the same time. It was, it, uh, it's just, now they were in San Francisco, the United Nations, the, these decisions came out of uh, San Francisco originally. I'm talking, starting to even talk about the United Nations. Right. So, yes. So once they formed the United Nations, um, this, this, you know, came to be on November 29th in 1947, a couple of years later. But the thing that is so, I, I just, I find it hard to describe that is so elegant and so profound that God who created and rules this universe had these two things happen at the same time. It's like, okay, the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, they had been found in varying ways and it, it went on, you know, to, to more discoveries. But the fact that the original Isaiah fragments were in his hands, in Sukkinic's yeah. hands, and that 35 nations were saying yes yeah. to the partition plan, I think is just, if anybody ever wants to wonder if, if, if God put his, his, his beautiful uh, imprimatur upon, you know, something, then this is the prime example. And then another thing, Jonathan, that I love is that it's also, I don't think this particular, these particular fragments were in Sukkinic's hands, but Isaiah 66, 8 describes exactly what happened on November 29th. 1947, even before the Independence Day on right. May 14th, it was already happening. And here it is. I want to read it. Yeah, share Isaiah, Isaiah 66 8. Who has ever heard of such things? Who has ever seen things like this? Can a country be born in a day? Oh my. Or a nation brought forth in a moment? And this is exactly what happened. It, it, it was codified that night because of the vote. And then it was instituted the next year in the Declaration of Independence. You're, you're, you're making me tear up. I, I, I didn't know the piece about uh, Professor Sukanik having the... Oh. This is all new to me. It's, it's really... You know, whenever we would, um, you know, whenever I was staffing our tours to Israel uh, with with Apex Foundation, our one time I interrupted our wonderful um, uh, tour guide, who is himself an archaeologist, and I said, are you, he was talking about the United Nations, and I said, are, are you going to tell him about the wonderful story about <laughs> November 29th? And he's playing just. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to get there. Don't don't ruin my story. But I get so um, just such a moving story about God's hand putting these fragments in in Professor Sukinik's hand Absolutely. at the same time. That thank goodness, 35 out of 
uh, I think they had 55 members in the UN then, something like that. So more. Yeah, there were 13 no votes and 10 abstentions. Yes, yes. And so, Jonathan, we could go into a lot of things about the United Nations since that time uh, that are not um, (laughs) that are not positive. Um, But one thing that I will always say about the United Nations They did one thing that night, November 29th, 1947, that changed world history. Now, it not only changed world history, it fulfilled biblical history. Yes. Then a modern state was created that is now a uh, just one of the top nations in the world. Right. Israel is still a light to the world, still blessing the world and everything that God deposited in the Jewish people in ancient times and even in the diaspora all over the world. When he began bringing them together, um, you know, in Herzl's time, um, but now more and more with the modern establishment of the Jewish state. All of those Jewish people from all corners of the earth have now come together to be a blessing to the world with innovation, discoveries, research, and humanitarian aid. Sure. Well, (laughs) thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm so thrilled because I didn't know that. There are elements of the story which also show God's hand in all of it that there were last minute negotiations going on between yes. Israeli representatives with with members of nations, representatives of nations from, from a number of countries. And I don't have any of those at hand to uh, to share, but now that we're having the conversation, I'm going to research that. And if anyone wants to be in touch and get some of that, that was also, as you said, supernatural. One of the things that I noted and I thought, oh yeah, that's cool. And that was unusual at the time 1947 we were in the high we were we were at the beginning of the cold war in the post world war ii era Mm -hmm. and the fact that that the united states and the soviet union yes right no china voted against it but the united states and the soviet union um voted for the partition was extraordinary I better go look at my facts again. I thought China had voted yes. Oh, maybe party. I'm wrong. One of us is right and one of us is wrong. But we'll just go with the United States and Soviet Union part. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that. And maybe um, our viewers can send us corrections. But... Let us let them correct me. I've I've certainly made more inaccurate comments. But that that again, I mean, how many other times after the war and throughout the Cold War, which was the, the 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 balance of the 40s the 50s the 60s the 70s um how many other times did the US and Soviet Union see eye to eye and and vote in in the same way and that can only be it wasn't yes they had their own interests yes but that could only be god and 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 yeah. it's through god we have to remember that it's god's authority not the united nations the united nations was god's tool and I don't mean that in a in a pejorative way, but God can work through all of us, 
and mm-hmm. and that's what he did November 29th, 75 years ago this week. Yes, I I I agree with that. Um that it it was look, it's like it's like I said a couple of minutes ago, we could say many many things um about the 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 awful uh ways that the United Nations has acted against Israel with their bias. Yeah. Yes. But if they did nothing else that was wonderful and spectacular, November 29th, 1947, would, would it just, in a way, it sort of overcomes a lot of other things uh, that they've done that have not been um, beneficial for Israel. If you're like most people in the world, you know about the Holocaust, but never met, much less interacted with the Holocaust survivor or heard their stories of suffering and survival. With the remaining elderly survivors dying at an unprecedented pace, in less than a generation, there will be none alive. Yet, while they did survive, and for that we need to celebrate them, many still suffer trauma from their youth. As they age, they have increasing needs. And living on fixed incomes, sometimes with no pension, things as simple and essential as basic foods, heating in the winter, medicine, and inflation can push someone over the line from surviving to struggling again. It can create stress in their lives that reminds them of the suffering they endured as young people. It's just not acceptable that anyone who suffered as much should struggle with basic needs or any undue stress in their twilight years. I want to invite you to join the Genesis 123 Foundation to bless the survivors. Yes, we pray that you'll donate personally and do so generously. And when you do, we also give you the opportunity to send your personal blessings and words of encouragement to the survivors themselves to brighten their day and let them feel your love. Having been privileged to provide financial resources to help survivors on a day-to-day basis, I know it makes a difference and is very appreciated. But your personal note that we translate into Hebrew, Russian, or Yiddish really makes them smile and warms their heart. I pray you'll join us by going to genesis123.co slash hug a survivor. That's genesis123.co slash hug a survivor. And please share this with others. We can't undo the suffering that they endured. And there's no limit to what the needs are, but we can never do too much to comfort them in their final years. Please join us. God bless you. Yeah, I, I want to pivot a minute and put you, you, you were alive, but you were too young to remember, but you know, the history, (laughs) right? You know, the history and I, and it's a challenge that we still face today. You know, we, 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 I say the Jewish people, the, the settlements, the, the early Jewish community. And when it's important to note that when Israel was established six months later, there were only 600,000 Jews here. Today, we're 9.6 million, I think, 9.5, 9.6 million, which is extraordinary. But part of what we celebrated was not, what we celebrated was the endorsement by the United Nations of the establishment of a Jewish state, but it was called, as you noted earlier, Resolution 181, the Partition Plan. Right. And the partition was part was separating into really, really ridiculous sections uh of what remained of 
what the British called Palestine, right. um, all all of the biblical land of Israel, and then some. I think it was in 1922 that the British first partitioned and yes. and established the 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 king the Hashemite kingdom of Transjordan, which then became Jordan. And right. that was, but the original idea was that that would be the Jewish homeland. And then in 1947, the UN voted to establish a Jewish state, but also an Arab state. Right. And, and we as the Jewish people, the leaders of the Jewish community in Israel at that time, celebrated that wholeheartedly. What would you have done? Okay, I know it's, it's kind of hard to put you in a place 75 years later, knowing what you know, believing as a as a believing Christian the way you are, but you know the history, you know, you know where we were coming from. Would you have voted? Would you have supported the idea of partitioning the, the land of Israel? You know, Jonathan, you you well know this, but that is still an ongoing situation to this day. But back then they were the United Nations, as I think they continue to do. They were, I think they were trying to be fair. They weren't making their decision from a biblical viewpoint. Correct. And unfortunately, the Arab people, Jonathan, you and I both know they could have had a state by now. They could have have had a state that was 75 years old. That's right. That's right. Thriving next to us. And it's very sad that their rulers, some of them dictators, some of them not, didn't jump to that uh, plan because, as I understand it, um, the Jewish community got the the lesser half, you know, the lesser part of the of the their ancestral homeland, which it is. Um, and of course, the origins, you know, the boundaries that God set in ancient times are far bigger than what they are now. Correct. Um, so I think that's an important point for a lot of people to understand. Who maybe look. We in the Christian community, I think sometimes we are thought, and, and the Jewish community as well, that we hate Palestinians. This is simply not true. We want Palestinians to have a good life. We, we, we believe it's a Jewish homeland, but the Palestinians are there. We want them to have a good life and a healthy life. And they're, they're dictators, <laughs> Um, and I don't need to mention any names for the Palestinians, but anyway, they have dictators. Uh, so uh, they don't, I don't think the leaders of the Palestinians want as good a situation for their own people as Jewish and Christian people do. Cool. Now, that doesn't mean that I think, you know, the whole, that all the, I do not think that all of the demands that the Palestinian leadership is making are good ones. Uh, Israelis already know what happens when you give over a piece of your land. And that was Gaza in 2005. The idea of soldier, the last moment he closed the gate after 8,000 Jewish people were removed from their businesses, their synagogues, the graves of their loved ones. Yes, yes. The Palestinians began tearing it up 
And what the Israeli leadership wanted, it was a terrible decision to have to do that, the unilateral decision under Ariel Sharon. But what they hoped would, would be peaceful and that Palestinians would have a Singapore on the sea. Yes. They could have had a Tel Aviv yep. in Gaza. They, yeah. they could have been a tourist destination. And today, under Hamas terrorists, it's, it's a terrible situation for those people, the, the, the people that live there, and certainly for people in southern Israel and beyond. Yeah. Well, actually, we're going to come back to the word I used before in a different context, but the, the PLO made famous the whole idea of hijacking and, and oh, they, yes. they've not just hijacked planes and, and uh, stormed schools and still carrying out all kinds of terror attacks, PLO, Hamas, Islamic Jihad and other and others, but they've hijacked, as you've, I think, accurately said, the, um, the well-being of the the what what I call the Palestinian Arabs. Um, I don't call them the Palestinians because if we go back to my father in 1947, he as an Israel as a as a Jew was mm-hmm. referred to as the Palestinian. There was no Palestinian yes, that's ethnicity right. in 1947, and that didn't come up really till the 1960s. Uh, so it, so it's important to note and and still. Even though we're speaking about the land of Israel, the biblical land of Israel, the capital L, um, and and the prohibition against dividing the land, there are still many Israelis who would come up with a very generous accommodation because of yeah. what you said. Because most of us, I believe, believe that the Palestinian Arabs living amongst us, next to us, um, should thrive, should prosper. Yes. Should, we should live peacefully, if not in peace, as as in the border with U.S. and Canada. And I don't know what I, I, I put that in God's hands. Um, he was able to pull off this supernatural. I love that they use the word supernatural event seventy five years ago this week, um, and and a few along the way since nineteen sixty seven yes. and oh yes, and, right, and all others. I, I worry about it on a day-to-day basis, but I don't sweat the big details because I ultimately believe that in the last several decades we've seen his we've seen the the fulfillment of his promises. And and I know that we haven't had a great two thousand, three thousand year old history all the time, but I'm trusting that ultimately it's gonna go where he says we're expecting it to go. Yes. I mean, we, you and I both know that uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the Alpha and Omega. Yeah. He's the creator of this world. Right. And he has, he's, there's a great mystery surrounding him, but we know that he can be trusted. Indeed, indeed. Amen. Um, Arlene, this has been fabulous. I, I, I knew it would be, I, I think we, I, we, you have overachieved. I'm so glad I thought to invite you not just to have a conversation with me today, but specifically this week. And I'm grateful for you sharing that story that I didn't know, and I suspect most readers didn't know, and bringing it all together the 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 uh, on a personal level, on a uh, biblical historic, and weaving that in into modern history. Before before I wrap up, anything that we've missed that's on your heart that you want to share about this or or in general? 
I, you know, one thing I wanted to mention, and I'm sure you, you know, you're in the process of writing about this year's November 29th, and I have written about it several times and will be writing about it again for my column at CBN Israel. Um, so hope people will look for it. But I think one of the, the biggest things that's on my mind right now is that all over the world, people are suffering in many different kinds of ways, whether it's under a um, repressive leadership, such as in Iran, what's yes. going on there, Horrible. and Ukraine, so many places, our own country. Uh, the world is undergoing a transformation that is very troubling. And sometimes I describe it as somewhat of a dark cloud just sort of hanging over the world. But in the middle of that, one of my own struggles and one of the things I continue to remind myself of is that because God is the creator of the universe and the creator of us as human beings, um, he is in charge. We can trust and count on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And of course, in the Christian community, you know, we worship one God uh, right. in three different contexts. And uh, we know that we can trust him in troubled times. So that would be my word of encouragement. Let's yeah. face it, a lot yeah. of terrible things are going on. But there's a bigger reality. Right. It's called God and, and our Lord. Well, may we both and, and all of the listeners be privileged to have many, many days to see God continue un, to unfold and ultimately the, the final redemption that we're, that we're all uh, praying for and actively anticipating. Yes. Um, Arlene Bridges Samuels. Uh, I, you know, I debated at the end what I was going to say. Bridges, not, God, Bridges is so appropriate. Um, I, I, I don't know if anyone else ever picked up on that. Uh, they have. Okay, well, I'm not unique, but I'm sincere. (laughs) Arlene, thank you so much for taking time for your tremendous insight and passion and for everything that you have done and are doing uh, today. Thank you so much, Jonathan. My privilege. Um, And and as we wrap up officially, um, people who have been following Inspiration from Zion know that we end with a really lovely special offer earlier this year. The beginning of the year, we started uh, the Genesis One Two Three as the parent organization um, offers a special gift each month, and we pick up we pick what I call a volume from Jonathan's bookshelf. This month, we're giving away a copy of the Book of Jewish Knowledge, which is an unbelievable book. And actually, next week's episode is going to be about that book, and that was a a, a conversation I already recorded, and I want people to to tune in. Um, all we ask that you do is go to the inspiration from Zion social media and like and follow us. And when you comment and share the link, we are going to select one person at random to receive a copy of this book. And, and believe me, this is going to enrich your lives. I have to take special thanks to acknowledge our podcast sponsors. Uh, first of all, our friends at the Willow Run Greenhouse in Culpeper, Virginia, if you're ever in the area and want to stop in and thank them for helping make programs like this possible, please do. And also special thanks to the Coin family as well for their meaningful sponsorship. 
Inspiration from Zion and all the Genesis 123 Foundation programs are made possible by donations. So please consider joining us to help continue building bridges and the dialogue. If you'd like to sponsor a future episode in honor or memory of a loved one or a special occasion or historic event, please be in touch with us at inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. Last week, I happened to mention that we were going to have this conversation with a, a friend who generously and anonymously said that he was going to sponsor the, and knows the history, sponsoring this episode in honor of God, which no one has ever done before. But because of God, we are celebrating this occasion and those three, three dozen, uh, two dozen uh, or three dozen countries that said yes 75 years ago this week. We'd always love to hear your comments as part of a dialogue and invite you to send any questions as well, especially questions you have about traditional Judaism for our Ask the Rabbi programs. Please share this with others who will also find it of interest and continue to join us right here where we bring you more meaningful conversations about topics that you won't hear anywhere else. Wherever you are in the world, I pray that you and your loved ones are safe and healthy, and I send my blessings from right here in the Judean mountains. God bless you. Hallelujah.